Good evening, Mercy Hill students. Welcome back to the Edge Online Week 3. Uh, once again, in this room by myself, missing you guys. Looking forward to when we can uh, worship t- together in the Edge. Hope you're ha- having um, an okay time at home under uh, sheltering in orders, uh, or, or you, you should be sheltered in. Uh, but man, I hope you're, you're taking advantage of this time to, to get in the Word, to l- listen to the sermons, uh, to uh, just talk to God. Uh, what a, you know, we, we, live, we come from a life that's been so busy, so packed with stuff, and all of a sudden it slows almost to a complete stop. Don't, don't miss this opportunity uh, just to spend time with God. I think God's got a plan uh, for you in all this. Today we're going to finish up in Daniel chapter 6, and uh, it's the all-familiar story of Daniel in the lion's den. Almost uh, 25 years ago, actually it'll be 25 years, December 16th, I married my wife. I remember that day in not like crystal clear, there's blips of it that I can remember, and one of those blips, because it was such a big, busy day, such a blur, but one of those was being backstage uh, behind the church uh, minutes before I was supposed to walk out, and um, and the wedding ceremony was about to start, and I was with my groomsmen, and they were uh, Jordan Stenziano, D- Damon Tanton, Blaine Jacobs, and Mike ba- Powers. My Father was there. He was also my best man. Uh, at, at that that mem- memory moment, he was walking my mom down the aisle, uh, bringing her to her seat. So it was just me back with these four guys. They were all from different uh, parts of my life, but really meant a lot to to me. Uh, I respected each gr- greatly. I loved each of them a lot, and um, I remember. Um, I'm sitting there nervous, you know, because what are you thinking at that point? Dear Lord, this is about to go, to go down. And um, I remember l- l- looking around, and all of a sudden the guys weren't around me. They were off to their side, the side, and these guys didn't know each other well. They only knew each other through me, but they were in like a, like a crew, like a, like a bunch, and they were, they were laughing sort of in this, this hushed laughter. So I walked over and said, hey, guy, hey guys, what's so so funny, and I remember the guy I'd room with in college, Jordan, uh, Jordy said, hey, he, uh, he lo- looked at me like they were caught, and he, he was like, um, we were just making bets on how many times you're going to stutter during your vows. And I'm thinking, my crew, my boys, betraying me like this. And um, uh, what was funny was I looked at them and said, not going to ha- hap- hap- happen, boys. Uh, I've always known on my my wedding day, I would not stutter on my vows. And uh, they're like, no way. I said, no, for real. And you know what? Dude, that was smooth as butter. I mean, probably the last time I was smooth as butter, but I was, I mean, I didn't stutter a lick on any of my vows. Here's a shot of Michelle and I, after we've done the vows, walking down the aisle as husband and wife. Uh, We would never have dreamed our life would have taken the twists and turns that it, that it took uh, 24 and a half years ago uh, to now. Uh, man, I don't think I've changed a lick, but, but man, Michelle's gotten a lot old, older, huh? Well, at least she's, she, she lucked out on me. Uh, we are in the book uh, uh, of Daniel, which was written by 
Daniel, very good. Just as uh, my friends were plotting against me, though, in love, uh, in Daniel 6, we see King Darius being very impressed with Daniel. And at the time, Daniel's in charge of a third of the kingdom. And the king is so impressed with him, he's about to put him in charge of the entire kingdom. But some of the other leaders don't like that. They don't like Daniel. They saw him as a foreigner and a threat, so they plot against him with much more evil intent than my groomsmen plotted against me as they were making bets on my my speech impediment. Uh, They convince a king who isn't thinking a whole lot to make a law that no one can petition or pray to God or to anyone but the king for 30 days. Okay, so the king's not thinking. He does this. So when 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 Daniel hears about this decree, this law, he keeps doing what he's always been doing, just like finding Nemo. Keep swimming, just keep swimming. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You just keep swimming. And in the Word of God, when you're trying to follow the will of God, what do you do to follow the will of God when you don't know what to do? You keep swimming. You keep doing the things you know you're supposed to. So we see that Daniel goes to his house, goes up, opens the the window on his roof prays to uh, uh, prays to God three times a day, and the men ca- ca- catch him. Now, in the story, we're not going to key in on this, but do not miss out this point: the importance of prayer. According to Daniel, it is worth it was worth risking his life over. Uh, today, right now, prayer is so important. Praying for uh, our government and officials that are in charge that 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 are trying to make uh, decisions that affect a lot of uh, people. Prayer is important. Praying for Jake and Anne's eye and those who are um, sick, man. Continuing to pray for them. We've got time to pray, people. Let us be a people of prayer. Let's be a youth group that prays, that takes the time, that makes a list, that prays each day. Praying for those that that work in the hospitals, the doctors, and the nurses, that one, that they will do well in, what, in their job to keep pe- people alive, and two, that they will stay safe and their families will stay safe as well. Praying for the physical health of, of, of all the people that we know and some we don't know, and praying for the mental health as well. Isolation is hard for quite a few people. Can we be reminded even right now that prayer is so important? You know, when we quit talking to God, we sort of quit on the the the, the Christian life. So so let's let let's get in the Word and keep talking to God. Um, we're going to pick up in verse thirteen. Uh, the decree's been issued. Daniel has gone to pray, and evil men have caught him in the act of prayer. Which we usually were caught in sin. He has been caught in righteousness, and he's praying to God. And then we're going to jump into uh, Daniel chapter 6, reading verse 14 through 28. I've got some, some current youth and f- former youth that are going to read w- with us. So would you stand with me with your Bible open uh, and follow along as we stand in honor of God's Word, if you can. And uh, let's read this Word of God together.
right, thanks, guys. Let's let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we 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 thank you that it um, is powerful, that it changes lives, that it's changed our life. God, uh, may we um, respect your word, and Lord, help us to understand your word. Lord, we invite your spirit uh, that for all whose ears to hear, Lord, uh, that your spirit will move, that you will move and touch hearts and change lives. And we thank you for the gift of your son. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. It's interesting in the story uh, how much in chapter 6, Daniel, though it's about Daniel being obedient to God and and uh, because of his obedience, he's thrown in the lion's den, but God delivers him out of the lion's den. The, the lions do not attack him. It says that angels shut the mouths of the lion. So in the story, we see, one, the sovereignty of God, that God's in control, even when times look bad. Even now, God is in, in control. And two, uh, even when times are bad, we're still called to be faithful. Uh, we're still called to be faithful to what God has called us. That's what we see God doing in and Dan, 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 Daniel doing, but it's in, interesting to me how uh, how much he fo- focuses on the king and what is going on with the king. I think there's some truths in this story that we can, as we see what the king goes through, uh, that we can um, see even in our own lives. So uh, the first point is this: we see the king's horror, uh, hor- horror. Look at verse 14. The king has just told, uh, been told that Daniel has broken the decree that he sort of flippantly created. It seems like the text implies he didn't really even think much when he made the decree. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Some guys said, hey, king, let's make this law. And he says, oh, okay, that sounds fine. And he, and he doesn't. And he, he, he does a law. But then we see this in verse 14. Then the king, when he heard uh, the, these words that, that, that Daniel had been caught praying, uh, he was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Dan- Daniel. And he labored till the sun uh, went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king estab- establishes can be changed. He's stuck. The king has done an action. It is hurting someone that he cares about and thinks a lot of, and the king, who is the most powerful person in the world, who can do anything that he wants to do, he has made a law that cannot be changed. He's made a mistake in that law, and because of it, someone he cares about is going to be deeply affected. And you see in this text, man, the king is horrified. He's distressed. He's, the only time kings were distressed was when they were at war and things were not not going well. This king is not at war. He is, he's, he's made a mistake that is going to affect someone that he cares about greatly. And because of this, the text says that Daniel's thrown in the lion's den. So we see the king's horror. Next thing we see is the king's help. The king is helpless. Verses 18 through, through 20a says this, then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No divergence or entertainment was brought to him, and sleep fled him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. It's like he ran. Uh, and as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of uh, anguish. Uh, have you ever felt helpless? 
um, helpless to the point where you, you can't even sleep. You're so worried, you're, you're almost sick. And it's an awful feel, feel, feeling. And as the text implies, it shows that this king is shaken to the, the core. He is helpless to help this person he is affected, who he cares about, who's only in the trouble that he's in because of what the king has done. But then we see something as well woven interesting, interestingly in the story, and that is while we see the king's horror and we see the king's helpless, we also see the king's hope. Look at verse 16. It says, Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought, this is before he's, and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Do not miss that. Even as the king is putting him in the lion's den, the king knows he can do nothing about it, but he knows this about Daniel, that he has been faithful continually to his God, and that his God has done amazing things. So the king has hope, not in his gods or whatever he is worshipped, not in his power or his money. He's got hope in Daniel's God. May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. You know, Matthew five sixteen, 16, uh, Jesus says this. He says, in the same way, he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let me read it again. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Man, we need to shine this light so that, so that the good that they see us doing, that because of this good, it'll point them to God, the Father. That's what we see going on here. It's not the king's faith, faith in his, his own, own stuff. It's his faith in Daniel and Daniel's God. Look here in verse 20 at the king's hope as well. As, as in verse 20, he says, as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of ang- ang- anguish. Uh, the king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from this from the lions. Once again, that last phrase is dripping with hope, but it's not hope in his own abilities. It's hope in Daniel and in Daniel's God, that Daniel's God moved. It's amazing in the story, this pagan king has hope in God. Daniel responds, O king, God sent his angels to shut the mouths of the lions and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and before you O king I have done no harm. So we see in this story that God delivers Daniel but what's, what's, what's he doing? What's, what's, what's God doing in this story? See because we've seen the king's horror in, in what he's done. He's caused the problem and because of this what he's caused he's helpless. One of the rare times the king is helpless he can do Nothing about it, but we see the king puts hope in one thing, and the one thing he can only put hope in is that is in Daniel and his God, who has been faithful this whole time. And then we see the king's homage. Homage means to respect, uh, respect or reverence paid or rendered. Uh, something done or given in ag- ag- acknowledgement or consideration of the worth of a, a- another. See, the king 
when Daniel is, is, is protected in the lion's den, immediately makes a law that says that you cannot, you must, everyone must respect and fear Daniel's God. He, he, he talks about God, that he is living, he endures forever, his kingdom will never be destroyed. And then this is what he ends it with about who, who God is, that he delivers, he rescues, and he saves. And can I remind you this evening that God is a God who delivers, he rescues, and he saves. He doesn't always do it in the way that we expect him to. Sometimes he doesn't even do it in the way that he hopes, that we hope he will, but he is a delivering God. He's a rescuing God. He's a, he's a saving God. But as I look at this text, we are so much like this king. See, as the king was was uh, in horror of what he had done. In horror, we realize our condition, that we sin. All of sin falling short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. And the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. This is because of our own decisions. We, we choose to sin and rebel against God and God's, God's truth. And one thing I know about sin, you know, um, we've been, been painting it in our house uh, over the past couple months, we moved into a new house, and when Michelle start, talks about wanting to paint our room, my little girls, uh, Maylie and Kylie, who are eleven and, and seven, go, "I want to help! I want to help! I want to help!" And I think that's the worst idea in the world. They're going to get paint everywhere. It's going to go on the wall like this. It's just not going to work right. And um, my wife's more like, "Oh, let's let them do it. This is going to be fun." And so. Usually at that point, I walk outside and try to stay away uh, so I don't lose my mind. And um, it never fails within 35 minutes of when they've begun to paint in the, in the room. The girls will come out for something. The small girls will, and they will have paint everywhere. I mean, it is in their hair. It is up their nose. It is on the bottom of their feet. It is co- covering them like they have just painted themselves. And a lot of times they're like, well... Uh, I was like, what, have you been painting the walls? Or are you painting yourselves? And they're like, no, 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 it just got a little bit on me. And, and it, you know, <clears throat> it just got all over the place. And one thing I know about paint is this, is if you were to, there's a clump of paint on the ground, uh, a puddle, and you were to step on it, step in it, it, it splatters and it, it goes everywhere. And it, 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 it gets on everything. Uh, and it, it's sticky and gunky and, it's hard to clean. And if there's a, a pic, picture of what sin does when we sin, that's what it does. When we choose to sin, even now as believers in Jesus Christ, when we sin, do we understand that sin splatters like paint and it gets on everything? And we sometimes think, well, when I sin, it's just a sin. Against, I, I sin against God and that's wrong, but it doesn't affect other people. But usually... Sin, when we choose to sin, it, it doesn't only affect our relationship with God, but it has effects on, it splatters and gets on usually the ones, the people that we love the most and affects the people that we love the most, along with the person that we may sin against. There are so many people affected by sin. And just, just keep in mind, sin splatters and it's sticky. See, we realize in the horror of our condition that we sin and it, and it affects even those that we love around us. And we're helpless to fix it on our own. We can't be good enough. We can't 
do enough good enough things, we are, we're stuck. At a youth camp many years ago, uh, it was share night, one of the last nights of camp. And kids were sharing about giving their lives to Christ. They were sharing about uh, going on the mission field, feeling led to go on the mission field, uh, just turning away from sin in their life. And I remember one kid raised his hand. It was a sixth grader, and, he, and he, he's about 12, and he, he was a, a friend of a kid in our youth group. And so he had not been in our youth group much before. Kent was one of the first things. And this little scrawny sixth grade kid, he stands up and he begins to share a story. He says, you know, last summer um, I was with a friend of mine. And, and let me tell you this. Share night's one of the scariest nights of my life because I give youth the opportunity to testify about God. And sometimes you have no idea where the story is going to go. This isn't one of these these. Uh, scary ones, but sometimes it is the most terrifying thing, uh, share night. And um, so this kid is, it goes on and says, La- last year, he's like 12, he said, uh, I, uh, my friend and I found a bunch of leaves sitting by the storm drain, and we, we decided to, to kick all the leaves into the stored storm drain, and then um, we decided to light the leaves on fire and see what it would do. So he said, we lit it on fire, just a couple of leaves, just a little small part. He said, and it flared up and it got huge. And so we didn't know what to do, so we ran and hid behind the bushes of this house. And for long, a neighbor saw it, and the flames were shooting out of the storm drain. And he said, and, and so this kid's starting to ball at this point. And he said, and, and um, the fire department came, and uh, they had to put out the fire, and me and my friend hid. And the, we never told anybody that it was us. And this is what he ended with. And he said, and I don't know if God can ever forgive me. And he's just bawling. And inside, I remember at the moment trying to think, dear Lord, kid, we've been at youth camp for a week. Do you not understand that we've talked about the forgiveness that God gives to those who believe in, in, in Jesus Christ, that he freely gives to everybody? That's what I'm, I'm thinking. But he was horrified that can God even ever forgive me? And I remember thinking, of course he can forgive you. And can I, I know there are some that will hear this, this video and you ask the same question to yourself. Mm, Pastor Dan, you don't know what I've done. Uh, you don't know and you're horrified of your past and your thought is this, can God even forgive me? And can I tell you this? He can, and he will. First John 1, 9, uh, for if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness, our hope. See, our horror is our sin. Our, we're helpless in our sin, but we have a hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, dying is a sacrifice for our sins to those who believe in his name. Do you believe today? You put your faith in in Jesus Christ. Uh, Do not let what you've done in the past prevent you from coming to God now. You know, he he lived a a perfect life, died as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be in right relationship with God. That's what he did for you and for me. And because he's changed our life, because he... 
He, he saves us from our sin. Can I tell you, we live a life of gratitude. We don't do, we don't follow the word of God to earn our salvation. Our salvation is earned through Jesus Christ. But we follow the word of God because of the gr- gratitude for the salvation that he has given. Because of this, we live our lives in homage to God, living a life of gratitude, showing obedience to him. Man, we are a lot like this king. Man, my hope for you is this. In this time, as you are um, just trying to figure out how life is going to work out for the next month or two months or however long this is, and get in the Word of God. Understand that God grants forgiveness to all who come to Him. You must just put your faith in Jesus Christ. That is my greatest hope for you. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much uh, for the chance just to talk about your Word. Uh, to see uh, the uh, Dan- Daniel in his faithfulness, see God in his faithfulness, and see this king who doesn't deserve uh, grace or hope to be brought into his life, but God, you are a good God who brings grace and hope. Uh, God, uh, help us to follow you. Um, God, be with Jacob and Zion in this time. Lord, give them strength, and uh, we love you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all have a great week. I miss you.